Hello and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dahlman. On today's episode, we continue our deeper dive into the Workforce Housing Task Force group that is meeting here on a monthly basis in the county. Today we have with us two guests. We have Shernita Bethay. She is a member of the Workforce Housing Task Force, along with Greg Grutendorst. And both Shernita and Greg work for the Hampton Roads Planning District Commission. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having us today. Very happy to be here. Great. Well, tell me, how do housing and the economic development intersect? Who would like to go first? I think today's society, we're looking at how we look at housing in a much broader perspective and looking at economic development and looking at housing, we have seen quite clearly that there has to be a connection and a correlation between making sure that we have affordable housing for our residents while we are attracting new economic development options for our region and our locality. So in looking at that, housing is always going to be a very important part in making sure that the workers and the employees that we have locally have affordable and safe housing. All right. Anything to add, Greg? I think housing is one of those things that follows economic development in kind of a strange way. Uh, Typically, when you see a community or a region that is booming, you'll notice that housing opportunities are decreased. And as areas contract, housing opportunities expand. So economic development usually is something that is chased by housing, much in the same way that traffic is. If, For example, if you have a huge increase in one region's economy, you bring a lot of workers to that region, you bring a lot of people to that region, and suddenly the roads are really constricted. And you're looking for ways to fix, to address the increase in traffic. The same is kind of true for housing. So once you have an economic boom come to a region, the amount of housing stock available is restricted. And it's not something that you can increase quickly. Uh, it takes a while to increase. And conversely, if, if there's an area of economic decline, uh, typically housing opportunities open up. In Hampton Roads, one of the things that we've seen is housing prices tend to be a little bit higher than we might expect, especially given our incomes. But the the rise and fall in terms of housing availability takes a long time to adjust. So if we go back and we look at what happened with the housing boom here back in the 2003-2004, we saw that housing opportunities were severely restricted. Affordable housing, workforce housing was severely restricted. And then when housing prices came down, then we saw that there was a little bit increased affordability. And now we're seeing that start to turn around again. So it's a very slow process. It doesn't adjust quickly. And it's one of those things where if there's not an active policy discussion on it, and if left unchecked, then there's going to be nothing that really rights the ship in a real quick fashion. One of the interesting things is it is a very complicated topic. The whole topic of affordable housing, workforce housing is incredibly complicated, but one of the simple components is just supply and demand. If you have a huge increase in demand or even a a subtle increase in demand without a increase in supply, then your prices go up. So if we're looking at, you know, one particular region or, you know, a school district or a neighborhood, and people want to live in that neighborhood, the demand in that neighborhood goes up, the price goes up. And that happens 
all over the region. Housing markets are local, um, but there's regional, state, and federal components to it. But housing markets are local. And so when you look at that, what is the availability of housing within a market and what's the demand for it? That's going to tell you what the price is going to be. And so anything, any action that is directed to to target affordable housing must in some way target the the supply or the demand. So, Shanita, what happens when there is a lack of affordable housing? What happens to the economy? That's a good question in terms of looking at the overall economy, but looking at the overall city or locality. And what we find out is that it's a trickle effect. When affordability becomes an issue, the entire household becomes an issue, and that kind of trickles down to other problems. And when you look at it from an economic development standpoint, when you're trying to attract new businesses into an area, they're looking at that in terms of affordability and whether or not they're going to move their organization or their industry in your region or in your locality, whether or not they're going to be able to support the housing issues that that actual client or employee has in that. It starts a trickle effect that when you're looking at affordability, you're looking at whether or not you're going to bring jobs that are affordable for those employees to find housing. So it becomes very difficult for that economic development drivers to kind of flourish in those areas. Do you know of examples of businesses, you don't have to say the names, of course, but that made the decision not to move to the Hampton Roads area because of a lack of affordable housing? can't speak to individual organizations or industries, but I know that that is one of the top factors they look at is housing and transportation. Okay. So in terms of looking at industries that are relocating to areas, they want to make sure that if they have top level employees, that they have housing that's dedicated to them, as well as if they are entry-level positions, there's housing that's going to be close. Just on the task force itself, talking to our local industries that are around the table, they have mentioned that affordable housing is a key component to sometimes why their employees are already late, that they're traveling for different counties and municipalities Mm. versus they're driving to qualify. So if they're working in James City County, they're living in some of the outside counties or other cities, it's taking them longer to get to work and there are traffic implications there. So we already see that some of the Workforce Housing Task Force members are already mentioning that as an, an, as an issue in terms of affordability. And if they have any hiccup in terms of losing their transportation and right. not being able to get here, then that becomes an issue with turnover. So that's one of the issues that some of our employers around the table in the Workforce Task Force has been indicating to us is the importance of having affordable housing solutions here. Have you enjoyed serving on the task force so far? Absolutely. I think we just had a conversation about how there are affordable housers around the table as well as consumers and residents. And some of the residents had just said, hey, I feel that I'm not really well versed in housing, but just the perspective of the love for their community and having that history there has been very important. So just really, I would say this is one of the most passionate groups that we work with And they put the hard questions on the table. Mm -hmm. So it's been a very um, educational standpoint for me being in housing to really be a little bit more intrinsically into the weeds with some of the other clients and residents and employers that are around the table and their perspective of housing. I know that the Workforce Housing Task Force focuses on the James City County area, but I understand that 
this is a regional issue as well. It's not just located here in James City County. Greg, since you, both of you actually work for the Hampton Roads Planning District Commission, but can you talk a little bit about what the impact of a lack of affordable housing has on the region as a whole? Certainly. I think the impact of the lack of affordable housing becomes a limiting growth factor. Uh, When you have that demand for housing that's not met, um, when there isn't that supply, then it acts like a drag on the economy because people, for example, want to come and, and work in James City County, but they can't either because the jobs that they have here aren't paying enough for them to live here or the increased transportation costs and travel costs to live elsewhere are going to limit their ability to work here. So that limiting factor becomes essentially a drag on the economy, and it's not just in James City County. It happens all over the region. One of the the complicating factors, of course, is Hampton Roads, the way we are set up is we're a very multinucleic region. We don't Ooh, have... wait a minute. Multinucleic. Multinucleic. We don't have one downtown center core okay. with these rings that, that expand outwards. We have centers, workforce centers, employment centers that are distributed all over the region. And people who are looking to get to work uh, don't have the same opportunities that they might have elsewhere where you have concentric circles around a downtown core area that can be easily networked through transit and so on. So the way that we're set up makes, makes some of this a little bit more difficult. And if you don't have affordable housing near areas of employment, then it becomes difficult for workers to get to the places where they can find jobs. And that's one of the things that we really need to connect, um, not just for an equity standpoint, but for an economic development component. Uh, We don't want people spending 50% of their income on housing, but we don't want them spending 50% of their income trying to get to work either. Right. So anything that we can do to reduce the cost of transportation and to to measure the cost of housing and make it appropriate for the jobs and the income that people have increases the quality of life for our residents. And I think that's the ultimate goal is to increase our quality of life. And affordable housing is certainly a large factor in making that happen. Is there a sweet spot in terms of length of commute that everybody, in order to have a perfect quote unquote community, everybody's commute would be zero. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, is there a sweet spot? If you if you surveyed the community and said, what would be your perfect commute time, people would probably respond zero. Nobody wants to commute. Right. Not to be in jest, but the reality is the shorter the commute time, the better. There are some people that'll commute an hour and a half to get into DC. And, you know, I personally can't imagine doing that myself. But, you know, you have a 10, 15, 20 minute commute time. That's one thing. The other component of it is if your commute time has a great deal of variability to it, Mm. because traffic backs you up. 
inconsistently. So some days it takes you 15 minutes to get to work and other days it takes you 45 minutes to get to work. That is a huge factor because suddenly now you have to prepare for a 45 minute commute every day. Right. And you're wasting time. So it's not just the average commute time, but it's also the certainty with which you can travel and arrive to a location on time. And that's one of the things that we have a few problems here with in Hampton Roads, especially if, you know, there's a duck crossing the road and now you're backed up for an hour and a half. Shanita, how does the cost of housing impact traffic? I know that when we're looking at what we call drive to qualify and that we see across the region is that unfortunately when you're looking at housing prices and rental prices, people pretty much have to go much further out in order to be able to afford um, their housing, their either their apartment or their if they're looking to become a first-time home buyer. What we need to look at, and even across the region, is transit-oriented development. Started looking at development that really puts people right in their job centers. And that's totally different from what planning looked at years ago, that you worked in one area and then you commuted out to the suburbs and everything was wonderful out in the community. And what we're finding now with millennials and just with the change of the areas, that people pretty much want to work, as Greg said, close. They want pretty much zero commute, that we totally have to look at a different way of how we've planned our communities and cities, where we put the actual stores, we had put the commercial spots in the same place, similar to Newtown. And Newtown was a project that we worked with with James City County. We provided down payment and closing cost assistance to some of the residents in that area. And it was one of those projects that was mixed income, mixed use in terms of you didn't know what the person next door to you had paid for their. Mm-hmm. If you were to walk down the street, you would look at those units and see that they all looked exactly the same. And then they were put in an area that was in walking distance to movies, to other retail, to restaurants, and it allowed people to kind of work and live and play in the same area. So I think we need to continue to look at those models that we're putting and placing our housing in those core employment areas and that people are able to do their grocery shopping. They're able to go to the cleaners. They're able to drop their children off in the same area. Uh, Today, my daughter goes to school in one jurisdiction. I go to church in another jurisdiction. I work in another city. And that's typically what most people in the region do. But if you're starting to look at developing areas that you're pretty much putting everything right in one spot, you lower the traffic issues, and you start looking at affordability in a much different way. And I would imagine really build that sense of community. And you're building that sense of community. We look at turnover in terms of making sure things are affordable. And when you constantly see a home that's being foreclosed or evictions, it turns the entire neighborhood different. Growing up back in Southwest Virginia, I still technically have the same neighbors that I had as a young child. Very few people moved. Of course, this region is much different because we're military and it's a little bit more transient, but people are really wanting to get back to that community sense that Mm -hmm. if you leave your door open, your neighbor will call and tell you to close your door, your garage is up, or that you have that sense of knowing who your neighbors are. And I think that's a part of looking at housing in perspective of putting it all into one core place that everyone can kind of coexist in the same place. Mm -hmm. I think to Shernita's point, if you look at Hampton Roads, roughly 50% of the people, the workers in Hampton Roads, leave their jurisdiction of residence to go to another city or county for uh, their place of employment. 
I think it's the third highest of any metropolitan area between one and three million. So there's a lot of people that are leaving one jurisdiction, moving to another. And part of the reason is because they don't have housing options that are near their place of employment. Now, if you loop that back into transportation and say, how can we solve some of our transportation issues, transportation problems? One of the big things you can do is take vehicles off the road. So if I don't have to commute from one jurisdiction to the other, if my place of residence is close to my place of employment, that's a much cheaper transportation fix than adding additional lanes to tunnels and more lanes to highways. That just is almost a common sense approach to dealing with transportation problems. So I think if you look at what you can do with housing to address not only the economic development issues, but some of the high cost of dealing with some of these transportation issues, placing housing near employment opportunities, uh, you'll see a direct correlation of an efficient and effective use of planning tools to address lower cost options and ensure that people have a, a higher quality of life for a lower cost. I think one thing that's important for people to recognize is there's one, no one silver bullet to address affordable housing. So when you look at affordable housing options and you said, well, here's one thing we're doing to address it, there is no one thing. There's a host of things that you have to address, and not all of them come from the government. Um, some of them come from the government, but there's also a community approach, and the community needs to actively take a role in promoting affordable housing without being scared off by this not-in-my-backyard association. Right. I think it's really important that people recognize that affordable housing um, increases the benefit to communities. It's not a cost. It's not a risk. It's a benefit uh, that communities have by having kind of a, a whole community approach to housing people, to providing people with places to live and work and play in one area, in one region. So I would think that that's pretty important. And I would echo what Greg just mentioned, that I think for years we looked at housing in a silo, that we only looked at housing in terms of affordability and planning, and we did not take the time to look at how we needed to really add the other options. Recently, we were able to listen to a presentation from one of our healthcare systems that they are looking at the correlation between housing and health. So as we continue to look at housing, we're finding out that we have to do it from a collective impact model. We have to look at it from an educational standpoint. We have to look at health. We have to look at what it's going to take to actually have that community healthy and that neighborhood healthy. So housing is a piece of the community, but we're clearly seeing that if we're not looking at economic development and job readiness and education, as well as health we're going to miss the mark. So looking at it from the community standpoint, as Greg mentioned, it's a new concept because okay. a lot of us get kind of stuck in our own silos, but reaching across the aisle and talking to economic development and talking to the educational piece, because we all see it from a different lens, but we also need to be around the table much more going forward in the future to make sure that we're 
seeing everything that we need to see. Schools see homelessness and housing from a whole different perspective when they're looking at children. Healthcare systems and hospitals, and I'm sure that's present here in James City County, Williamsburg, is looking at homelessness and looking at homeless people using the emergency room as shelter. So we have to have all of those key partners around the table when we're talking about housing and workforce housing. Do you feel that the Workforce Housing Task Force is kind of starting? Absolutely. We have looked at coming up with lists and making sure that we're having the right people in the conversations and really being creative in how we approach bringing new people and more people around to have these conversations because everybody's conversation and perspective is a little different and making sure that we have the, the right mix of employees, ex-teachers, uh, I think is a great diverse group that can kind of look at it from different lenses. All right. Well, I would like to thank both of you so much for coming in and being guests on the podcast today. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure. Well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please take a moment to go online and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go to our website. We're at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you'll be able to find all of our episodes as well as a form where you can give us some feedback, show ideas, whatever you'd like to let us know. So we will talk with you next week.